Hello everybody and welcome to what we'll call the pilot episode of this new format for the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on everybody? It's great to see everybody and I hope that you are excited as we are for this new format of the podcast. Kind of in a nutshell, this new version of the podcast is going to be a bit more news oriented. I'm going to be giving you a couple of main stories from the week, some perspectives on them, and where applicable, I might have a guest or two to talk about those topics in a short manner. Uh, As far as the conversational podcast, are concerned, the one-on-one discussions that I tend to have with people, those will still be happening. It just may not be happening every single week. Uh, For the most part, we would love to have those discussions uh, so that you can listen to those podcasts, uh, but we're not going to have them on the YouTube channel anymore. The YouTube version of the podcast, this is what you're getting. So as always, we welcome your feedback in the comment sections down below. Let us know what you think about this particular show. But speaking of the show, let's get started with this pilot episode. We have a couple of big topics for this week, and I'm going to bring you guys some extra stuff as well along the way. Our first story for today deals with John Legere, the CEO of T-Mobile, stepping down from his position. This is basically the end of an era because for the last seven years, John Legere has been the outspoken leader of T-Mobile, better known as the uncarrier to some. Now, back in 2012, it wasn't as if uh, T-Mobile was on its way out. It was definitely on the decline. It wasn't necessarily the top-ranked carrier in the U.S. But after John Legere became the CEO, there were some major changes that started to happen, and they were pretty radical for their time. Now, you only need to go to T-Mobile's own website to relive the history of the uncarrier plans. And these were all features that were rather revolutionary. And if you look back on it, there were a lot of things that were actually being enacted over the course of the last seven years. If I can give a couple of highlights as to which uncarrier moves uh, really benefited me, Simple Global was a huge one because at the time I was traveling a lot when I was at Android Authority and having a T-Mobile plan, not only unlimited at home, but which allows me to have data when abroad with no extra charge, was a huge deal. Some other choices in the uncarrier plans were a little bit controversial, especially ones that allowed for data throttling of certain services. Now, the perk in T-Mobile was that you could get unlimited access to Pandora, to YouTube, to Netflix, and streaming in a program called Binge On, where all of those services would not count towards your data caps. But the fine print stated that you wouldn't get this particular perk at the highest levels of quality from those services. So it wasn't like you would be able to do 4K on YouTube just free all willy-nilly. That still counted towards your data caps. It had to be a lower tier of quality. And that actually became a very commonplace story when it came to John Le Jair's time at T-Mobile. The fact that there might be hidden fees or that the fine print stated that you weren't going to get everything via that perk, only certain parts of it were going to benefit you. Another example of that was Netflix on Us, which provided Netflix for free on family plans with at least two qualifying lines. Uh, The problem with that was the Netflix plan you get for free was only a one screen plan. Oh, and regarding Binge On, there's actually a story I wanted to share a little bit. Uh, back when I was at Android Authority and the Uncarrier was a huge thing back in like 2014, 2015, Binge On was the next step. And in order to celebrate that, I was actually invited to a concert in LA and little did I know that T-Mobile actually put the money down to get Zed as the opening act and to get Bruno Mars as the main act. That was a really fun time and it really showed that T-Mobile was trying their best to not only be uh, a different carrier than the rest, but 
to be as hip and as uh, in tune with the youth that they were trying to get as subscribers to their services. Now, John Legere's exit from T-Mobile does throw a couple of things into a bit of reasonable doubt. After all, T-Mobile and Sprint have been on the verge of a merger for quite a while now, and John Legere was the architect of all of that. As it stands, John Legere is just trying to make sure that that merger happens before he hands over the reins to a one Mike Sievert. And as some people speculate, this might actually be the right move for T-Mobile because uh, the somewhat controversial way that John Legere handled his position uh, might need to be softened a bit, and that is exactly what they hope Mike Sievert will bring to the table as the upcoming new CEO. But overall, it seems that John Legere has left a good legacy over at T-Mobile. After all, T-Mobile's parent company, Deutsche Telekom, had a lot of great things to say about his leadership and what he brought to the uncarrier. Reportedly, John Legere will remain on the board of directors for T-Mobile also called Magenta by some, uh, but he's not without his little bits of controversy as apparently there were some rumors that WeWork was wooing John Legere to become their CEO. He has since refuted those claims. But that is pretty much where the story lies right now. I just wanted to give a little bit of a retrospective on T-Mobile as the uncarrier, especially with John Legere as their CEO. I personally had some fond memories of some of their announcements of the uncarrier plans. Uh, so I want to pass the question off to all of you. Get into the comment sections down below and let me know what you think about this piece of news, John Legere stepping down as the CEO. Now, it's not without its fair share of controversy, but from what we can tell, there's not really a whole lot going on that's bad behind the scenes. This is a move that was in the works for quite a while. So. They're going to get a new CEO, which is the current COO in Mike Sievert. If you're on T-Mobile right now, let us know what your experience has been like and if the uncarrier uh, perks have actually benefited you on your daily life. I know for me, I've had some really uh, tangible benefits from it and I shared them with you in this first segment. So that was our first story for today. Why don't we go ahead and get into a short break. Today's show is sponsored by Caseta Smart Lighting Control from Lutron, pioneers in smart home technology. A lot of people think you need smart bulbs to get smart lighting, but there is a smarter way. The smart dimmers and switches by Caseta replace the switch in your wall so that all the lights controlled by that switch will act smart. There are a lot of places in your home where the switch controls multiple bulbs, things like ceiling lights, chandeliers, bathrooms, and more. But with Caseta, you'll save money by replacing the switches instead of replacing all the bulbs because smart bulbs are only smart when the switch is on. If someone flips it off, you can say goodbye to smart control and connectivity, but Caseta switches are always smart, even when that switch is off. This is actually very true because last night I was just sort of sitting around alone in my family home while everyone else was out, and in the middle of the night, just around maybe 10.30, as scheduled, the lights in the living room just all started to come on, and to be honest, it kind of scared me a little bit, but then I remembered, oh yeah, we have a smart switch by Caseta powering on all four of those lamps in the living room. Of course, I was actually home at the time, but if I wasn't, having those lights come on at that time uh, is a nice little safety feature. It makes it seem like someone is home, even if maybe there isn't. Get smart lighting the smart way with Caseta by Lutron Smart Switches. You can learn more about Caseta at lutron.com weekly. That's lutron.com weekly. And now I want to get into a segment called the Tech Community Roundup. This is going to be a chance for us and myself here on the podcast to give some shout-outs to some of our tech community friends and fellow creators and to give them a shout-out for the stuff that they've been making on YouTube. This week, there were a few really big news stories, and the one that literally just happened like a day or two ago was the announcement of the Tesla Cybertruck. Now, we do know a couple of people who were there at the unveiling event, so you can look forward to some of the content from David Kogan, the Unlocker, and also Michael Fisher also known as Mr. Mobile. Aside from just the look of the Cybertruck itself, uh, it's also bulletproof, which is really interesting. Uh, Isa, who is right behind me, has been saying that it looks a lot like the Batmobile. 
Speaking of Mr. Mobile, he has been outspoken about the problems that he's had with the current MacBooks, but a brand new 16-inch MacBook Pro was recently released and everyone's content about it has been coming out. You have some really great videos from the likes of John Rettinger, and you also have reviews coming out of The Verge, basically stating that the MacBook Pro 16-inch has actually addressed a lot of the issues that you might have been seeing a lot of on Twitter and across the interwebs. Now this is a fun one. I actually am really excited to give some shout outs to some gaming channels because, um, well, Google is trying to get into the game streaming market. So that kind of merges the worlds together. One of my favorite videos about Google Stadia recently was from GameRanks, very well-known uh, community of gamers on YouTube. And what I find really fun is that Jake, the host of that video, found every opportunity to not actually say the word Stadia. It's pretty funny, but also informative. You should check it out. You can also find Beat'emups on YouTube where he actually talked about how uh, uh, the mismanagement of the beginning portions of Google Stadia uh, actually hit him a little bit. Trying to get a hold of Google support just so he can find out what was going on with his Google Stadia code is one huge portion of that video. Kind of shows some of the frustrations around the platform so far. But of course, we're talking about Google Stadia with David Amell of Android Authority, and he's one of the few people who actually has had the Google Stadia controller, the Chromecast, and his service available for a while now. He did a long, informative video over at Android Authority, and I want to give that one a shout out as we get into our discussion about Google Stadia in the second portion of this show. But as of right now, people like myself don't even have their codes for Stadia just yet. People who bought the Founders Edition of Google Stadia are probably getting their codes right around this point. It took a couple of days after the official launch of Google Stadia, but even then, there are some really mixed feelings around it. And that's why I wanted to have David Amell on because he's, again, one of the few people who have used Google Stadia for as long as he has. You've spent a lot of time with Stadia by now, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been messing around with it a lot. Um... Uh, I played with Max from XDA. Uh, we played mm -hmm. Destiny together for a little bit, so that was cool. Uh, and I tried it on a bunch of different internet connections because I didn't... I was like, people have different internet connections and I don't want to just like play this on like a gigabit ethernet connection and say, it's amazing! So um, <laughs> I tried it on a bunch of different ones. So Yeah, yeah. because that's one of the main concerns, like... I, I, I know that I personally have really good internet in this office. I have pretty damn good internet at home. So, I mean, does the download and upload speed matter as much? Like, it, it, I feel the like download it's more download speed obviously. matters a lot. <laughs> the yeah. download speed's everything. Upload speed is not important because just like in a regular online video game, um, you're just sending inputs to the server. Everything mm -hmm. else is just kind of, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, very, I, very not a lot of data. So, yeah, I mean, I I probably made a mistake in buying the premiere. Is it the premiere or I didn't oh. buy Founders? Founders wasn't available. Oh yeah, the premiere edition or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Founders isn't available anymore. Oh okay, because yeah. I I got it right. I think I got it on like November, like the first week of November. So if they're doing it on a first come first serve basis, I'm probably not going to get mine for a while. Oh. Um, yeah, so I want to get the controller. I don't even have the code yet, so I can't even use like my Pixel yeah. you know, with other controllers with it yet. So it's it's an honest, it's honestly a very frustrating thing. But I guess what the kind of perspective I wanted to get from you, being one of the people who've used it the most by now, mm. the promises that Google made for Stadia have they at all been realized uh, with Stadia so far? Um, I would say yes and no. Uh, which is a very cut and dry answer, but yes, in that when it works, it works really, really well. Mm -hmm. uh, being able to like just 
jump in and play on your Chromecast Ultra. No downloading of anything, no patches, uh, no downloading games. And then you can just shift over to playing on your Pixel, shift over to playing on your laptop, your Chromebook. Like, it's a pretty cool experience. Um, and games switching. That was a that. That was a really cool part of your video, yeah. When you were playing Red, was it Red Dead? And yeah, Red Dead. I yeah, I actually like it when people use their phones to just kind of like cut and dry show stuff. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, it was cool. But yeah, basically, it's it's a cool service um, because game streaming, I think, is kind of the future. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the future that is here yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. It, it requires a lot of things. It requires, one, you to have a really good internet connection for it to be stable, to not be laggy, to not have frame drops. Um, the second thing is it requires a lot of bandwidth. So mm. I put out kind of like a tweet storm yesterday about this, um, but the average U.S. national internet speed is 35.88 megabits per second, and Stadia... Uh, Google is suggesting 35 megabits per second to do 4K60. So if you had the exact U.S. national average, you would have 0.88 megabits per second left to give to the rest of your devices. <laughs> and oh, wow. yeah, so that means your phone's going to have a hard time on the internet while you're playing Stadia. Anyone else in your house is going to have a hard time. Uh I remember when I was in college and I had a hard time playing Dota when my roommates were watching Netflix. So it's kind of a similar, oh, yeah. it's a similar deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in in your case, um, what did you find as the better experience? Because I, I hear a lot of mixed reactions to the Chromecast side, mm. the Chrome side, and then the smartphone side. With most people saying that being able to play it on a smartphone is pretty awesome, mm. and the rest is not. I like the the being able to play on like a laptop slash Chromebook <laughs> because uh-huh. I like mouse and keyboard because I've always been a PC gamer person. Oh, that's fair, yeah. And uh, it's cool because on so on Chromecast you can only use the Stadia controller. So if you don't buy the Stadia controller, you can't play on your Chromecast. But if on Android, well on Pixel, and on laptops slash Chrome OS laptops, mm-hmm. you can use any input device basically like any usb compliant device so uh one of them you could play on your pixel with a with a xbox one controller if you wanted to um and you can so yeah basically i think it's cool like just being able to jump jump to my pixel book right like go to the other room with my pixel book super freaking lightweight tiny and it's not like all it's doing is streaming you know Mm -hmm. it's a lot of data though um when I was streaming 4K60, uh, I was doing a bunch of testing two days ago, and it was pulling 57 megabits per second, which is about 7 megabytes per second, which is oh, 20, 25 gigabytes an hour. Wow. So, but I mean, okay, so that's yeah. 4K60, but for like a lot of people out there with what I would... I, I don't like assuming, but what the term I have to use is for what I would assume most people have as their internet speeds at home. Yeah, they're not going to be getting 4K 60. So no, so I was playing on 720p because I found the crappiest connection I could find. Uh, mm-hmm. It still pulls seven gigabytes an hour. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. yeah, because that was three megabits per second up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty bad. Uh, so 
Yeah, let's talk about the controller for yeah. just a little bit. Um, apparently, uh, well, Google made such a big deal during the presentation that the controller was like crafted out of Valerian steel and all, all these things. You're talking about Tesla now? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, huh? Yeah. That is the other announcement that happened this week. Um, but uh, basically, the controller itself was supposed to be crafted for like ergonomics, it's supposed to be mm. really, uh, really easy to use and very fun to use. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess my first question is: Is that true? Um, and is the controller worth that? I think with the f- premier edition, it was supposed to be. It's 16, you get three months. Yeah, it's yeah, sixty nine dollars standalone. I don't know what it is with the package. Oh, okay. Because I paid one twenty nine for like the entire thing that I was doing. Mm. Uh, Did maybe, you get a Chromecast with yours? That might be it. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's so seventy dollar controller. Let's put it that way. Yeah, seventy dollar yeah. controller that you can't Bluetooth. Yeah. To other places. Yeah. Anyway. That's the one caveat I wanted. To it's throw a bummer, in, but, in my yeah. opinion. It's a really big bummer. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, I think the thing is, Google wants to reduce uh, the amount of hops of latency as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Because so it's a Wi-Fi controller. It does have Bluetooth, but all it uses the Bluetooth for is to talk to your Chromecast and get the Wi-Fi information, and then it switches over completely to Wi-Fi. Uh-huh. So that's the only. It only uses Bluetooth once during the setup process, and that's it. I would love for Google to unlock the Bluetooth capabilities via a firmware update, yeah. um, but I don't see them doing that because, I, again, I think like if it had Bluetooth, uh, then and you wanted to use it to connect to your computer or your Pixel, um, then it would probably do. It would have to do Bluetooth to your device to the internet back to your device instead of the controller to the internet to the device. <clears throat> so it's an extra. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. <clears throat> and then what but, if you have like games locally, you know, cuz it would be great yeah. to be able to use like the one <clears throat> controller have it with you all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, cuz I have Red Dead Redemption 2 via the Rockstar launcher and that's it. That's like the last question I wanted to ask was if you have a local game, obviously you could play it anywhere. There might be a DRM thing involved depending on what game it is, but at least you could play it anywhere. If you don't have an internet connection in let's say a hotel room in yeah. Like you know, yeah. the East Coast or abroad, like you, you kind of SOL when it comes to playing yeah. a game comfortably. So, like, I guess that's my question here: is you know, for for people out there who who are willing to be early adopters but are still on the fence, mm-hmm. like looking at local versus online, like where do you stand on that spectrum at the moment? I'm what I my official stance on the whole thing is: don't buy don't buy Stadia right now until the free version comes out, and then. Because there's going to be a free uh, tier where mm-hmm. you don't get 4K60 on your Chromecast. You can only get 1080. Uh, you get stereo sound instead of 5.1. And I think that's basically it. The other things are like you with Pro, you get deals on games. And then they throw in like kind of like PS Plus, like once a month they throw it, they give you a game. But like if you, but it's like a, you know, not a, flagship triple a game it's like some old title that they threw on there um <laughs> i don't really think the pros worth the ten dollars a month because getting 4k 60 versus 1080p 60 is like not worth it to me especially for the extra data use you're using yeah um so what i would tell people is like wait for the pro for the free tier to come out so that you can try it because destiny the game is free uh, I think that's the only free game on date on Stadia right now uh, for everybody. Um, but yeah. D- Destiny is a free game, right? Destiny Two is free, so I would say, yeah, wait until the free version comes out. Download Destiny, try it, 
see how your internet handles it slash like how your bandwidth is dealing with it. And then if you really like it and you think it's worth it for you and you you like that, you know, you're playing on the TV, your roommate comes in, they want to use the TV and you can just jump to playing on your phone or your laptop, which is dope. Or you can go to the doctor's office and if they have really good internet, you can play on your phone. You know, (laughs) that's like super cool. Like the concept is amazing. I just don't know if like a lot of at least Americans are ready for it yet. I got a bazillion comments saying like, I think data caps are only an American thing. Um, kind of seems that way, which is surprising. I didn't really realize that every other country does not have data caps. Mm. Um, and uh, five out of 10 of the major ISPs in the United States have data caps. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well, with all of that, I just want to make sure to get some of David's perspectives on here. Um, I, we obviously want to hear what all of you have to say. Get into the comment sections down below and let us know what you think about Google Stadia. If you happen to have uh, received your code and your controller and you're actually playing some games on there, let us know what your experience has been like. I imagine for a lot of people out there who are streaming youtube a whole lot maybe you have a pretty good internet connection so hopefully you're having a good time on stadia but as david and i have sort of illustrated in this chat it's not going to be the easiest thing for everyone to adopt at least right now all right appreciate it david thank you and with all of that we're going to go ahead and call it on this pilot edition of the new format for the pocket now weekly podcast i promise this is the only time that i'll keep being meta about the new format Uh, but one thing that i do want to tell you is that in the last number of minutes of the podcast i want to respond to all of your comments Uh, we want this to be a community-based show at this point i'd certainly want that to be the case so what i encourage all of you to do is give us your opinions on all of the stories that we talked about on this show do you have any shout outs that you want to give as well to fellow creators Uh, and as far as today Today's topics are concerned, let us know what you think about John Legere leaving T-Mobile and also Google Stadia itself. Like I said in the previous segment, if you got your Google Stadia controller, Chromecast, and your code, you might be playing right now, or maybe you paused your game to watch this episode. Thank you so much if you did so, but let us know what your experience has been on Google Stadia as a whole. Get into the comment sections down below, start those discussions, and we will be there as well, and I will respond to some of your top comments next week on the next episode of this podcast. If you don't really have a whole lot to say about the topic, in this episode well every single week you can also answer the question what is in your pocket now so until then make sure you follow our guest david Immel across all social media you can find him at dervit Immel on twitter and at david Immel on instagram but you can also find all of his content over at android authority i'm of course your host joshua vergara and on social media i am jv tech t you know me i'm jv i love tech and i love to drink me some tea get to pocket now on all the social medias at pocket now you can head over to pocketnow.com for the latest news and of course here on the YouTube channel myself and Jaime Rivera are holding the fort down not only with news every single day on the Pocket Now Daily but now with this new format of the podcast the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast every week. All right for the final time I'm calling it on this one get into the comment sections down below and we might respond to your comments next week on the next edition of the podcast. We'll see you then.